I want to read just a few verses, but before I do that, if you could stand with me just a moment, I want to give you two events that changed my life. Two events that I never got over that changed my life. And preacher, this is on, correct? Two events that changed my life. One of them was in the state of Tennessee. I was in Kingsport, Tennessee many years ago. We were having a youth conference in Kingsport at a public high school. I was not the preacher. I was there to do the front work for the meeting. I was there to help out, get everything ready. And this meeting went on. It's been many years ago now. I I think about how many years ago it amazes me. But I'll never forget one of the nights of that meeting. God just sovereignly moved in in that high school gym. It was so powerful that literally an entire girls softball team gave their life to Christ. It was a powerful service and the altars had filled and, and then I looked to my right. And coming out of the bleachers to my right was a young girl. I found out later after I met her at the altar, she was 14 years old. She walked out of the bleachers. She came down. I could tell she didn't know a lot about what was going on. I don't think she understood a lot about church. But she came down and knelt down and everyone was busy and I was sitting up on a chair on the platform. So I walked over to her and I looked at her and the statement that she was getting ready to make to me changed my life. I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, can I help you? She looked up at me with tears running down her face and she said, nobody loves me. I'll never forget it. I looked at her and she said that and she said, my mom and dad are getting a divorce and I believe it's my fault. She said, my boyfriend just broke up with me at 14 years old. As a pastor, I'm thinking, that's probably not a bad thing, but to her, it was her world. She said, sir, nobody loves me. So I got the opportunity on that altar to share with her that Jesus loved her. That night she did not know it, but God saved her and changed her life. She knew that, but she did not know that God changed my life that night. From that time on, every young person I see across this country and a generation today needs to know that Jesus saves and it's great to live for Him. The second event, I was on the island of St. Lucia. I had taken about 64 of our members on American Airlines on a plane with us to the island of St. Lucia to do a two-week tent meeting. When we were there on the island of St. Lucia, we drove up in the mountains. And I know you think about cruise ships and beautiful water, but just away from that on that island, people are very poor and a lot of them have nothing. The deacons in the church I was in had a dirt floor that they walked on every day. I'll never forget, I had a couple, uh, they call them buses or whatever. We were pickup trucks. And I would start out and it'd just be me and a few others. And, and before you knew it, I, we had people hanging off the sides and everywhere. And we had taken our group up on top of a mountain. And we're driving on top of the mountain in St. Lucia. And I look off to the right. 
When I look off to the right, I see two men way down. They're swinging machetes and they're cutting something down in the bottom in the little valley. You got to understand, we're way up on a mountain in St. Lucia. Beautiful Caribbean Sea off to the side and beautiful mountain. There's only one way down to those men. So one of the men traveling with me and myself, we both got on our hands and knees and we crawled I don't know how long. We got down to those men and I mentioned to those men that what we were there for, and they could understand a little broken English and then I mentioned the name Jesus Christ and I said to them, do you know Jesus Christ? And they looked at me, no. And we began to explain to the gospel. And I said to him, would you like to know Jesus Christ? Both of those two men there, while our church was 60 people up on the road in the mountain, were singing Amazing Grace. And it was ringing through the valley. Gave their life to Christ. I never met that little girl in Tennessee again. I've never met those two men there in that valley again. But one day I will. And I want to say that every time you give to Faith Promise Missions, every time you give to the work of God and somebody gets saved, you may not meet them here. But there is coming a day when you'll meet them. And because you did your part, God does His part. Tonight, I want to preach just for a few moments, and I was going to read more of a text tonight, but for the sake of time tonight, I'm just going to read a verse to you, go back, talk a little bit about it, and then we will go from there. I want you to notice, if you would, uh, in the verse in the Word of God, in 2 Kings chapter 3, 2 Kings chapter 3, and I'll tell you what, I will read a few starting at verse 16. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, that you may drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is about a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. I want you to look at that last verse tonight. And I want you to see the words the Bible says. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. I want to preach a few moments tonight and you'll see where this ties in tonight. But I want to preach a few moments tonight on no big deal. No big deal. See, in this world, you can be seated, in this world that you and I are living in this evening, there are a lot of people that see things around us and they see the struggle and they see the repercussions of a pandemic and they see the financial things going on in our nation.
And some people say, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? How are needs going to be supplied? Well, listen, to you and I sometimes, they may look like they are insurmountable. To you and I sometimes, it may look like there is no way. But I want you to know this tonight, that though it may look that way to us, it is no big deal to God. God can meet the need. God can take care of us. God can supply. I'm glad the Lord is not in heaven popping volume pills, worrying about everything. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's nothing that he can't do. When you think about this miracle here in the Word of God and you've got to love how Elisha sort of makes a little jest with these men that did not want to listen to him to start with. But now they're asking him what to do. And finally God says, make this valley full of ditches. The Bible teaches us that obedience is better than sacrifice. The Bible lets us know that we are to be obedient. And if we're obedient to God, then God will take care of us. As you look in this passage of the Word of God, where He said, make this valley full of ditches, I want you to notice the promptness of obedience. I want you to notice that when you read that phrase, he doesn't say, make this valley full of ditches tomorrow. He doesn't say, make this valley full of ditches next week. But the phrase is simply a prompt phrase that means make this valley full of ditches. And I want you to get busy right now. We don't know we have tomorrow. We don't know we have next month. We don't know we have next year. Oh, I'm going to give the missions next year I'm going to get involved next year next year may be too late hey right now is the time make this valley full of ditches there's a promptness of obedience second of all there's a perspiration of obedience the perspiration of obedience one thing they could not do they could not go rent a bobcat They could not go out and get a front end loader. They did not have a dump truck to help and put the dirt in. But they had to find whatever they had. A shovel, a pick, or whatever it was. And they had immediately to begin to dig those ditches. Properly dig those ditches. And while they're doing it, it takes a little bit of sweat and a little bit of work and a little... Listen, I've never believed that God wants us to sit back and do nothing while He does everything. I believe God wants us to get involved and do the work and live for God and serve God. He said, if you'll dig the ditch, it may take a little work, but He said, I'll feel it if you just dig it and I believe with all my heart if we'll just get to the place where we're willing to work perspire a little and get the work done a mission conference like I watched last night here a mission conference like we do each year 
a mission conference like you have tonight, this number, the meal down here, all of the things that go on, everyone on the staff, everyone that's doing what they're doing, it takes a lot of effort. It doesn't just happen. Your pastor's heart is in it and he's working hard. The leadership here is in it and they're working hard. You're here tonight on a Wednesday night of missions. What a testimony uh, that you're here. If this number tonight, you say, preacher, what are you saying? If we'll just get busy and do the work of God, it is yet to be seen what God can do. Then I want you to see the promise for obedience. Here's what God said. He said, you just dig the ditches. He said, I'll do the filling. I've often said that missions, giving to missions, is just like God's using us as a straw, as a funnel, whatever you want to use. He just gives it through us. Just through us. And God allows us to be a part of I believe one of the greatest works if not the greatest work in the world and that is reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and God allows us to do that why? because he said if you get busy promptly and if you'll be obedient and prosper he said my promise is I'll fill those ditches and I'm convinced and I was excited as your pastor last night was talking about, and I believe he said up to 52 missionaries, and I was watching that last night, and I could just see it on his face, and he was beaming. Now tonight, I guess that's 53, and you think about that. Listen, preacher, how's God going to take care of that? He promised he would. How's God going to do that? Dig the ditch. He'll do it, amen? How's God going to do that, friend? I'm telling you, if you'll do what God says do, God will do what he said he would do. Just be obedient this week. I don't know how you do your faith promise, how you do that. We use the faith promise cards we've been using for Macedonia for years. They print them for us. Uh, And I want to say this. Just be obedient. Just be obedient. Ask God what He would have you to do. And I believe God can help with that. But here's what I want to get to tonight. Tonight, when you think about this God that you and I serve, You realize that the Bible says that it is no light thing to God or in the sight of the Lord. Here's what God is saying. It's not a problem to God to take care of any need. It's not a problem to God to handle it. God is well able to take care of anything. I believe that tonight. I believe tonight that it might be a big deal to me sometimes. I have mornings I want to pull the cover up over my head. I'm not real sure I want to go to the office. I'm not real sure I want to go in a staff meeting. I'm not real sure I want to do a lot that day. Just want to pull the covers up over my head, turn on the Andy Griffin show and stay at home all day long. And sometimes, you know, I think about that and I think about, Lord, this seems insurmountable. Lord, this seems like a big thing. Uh, Lord, what in the world are we going to do? And I realize in my heart that it's nothing but a light thing to God. How many times in your life if you had one of those days and you just had one of those days and you had one of those days and it's church night and you're thinking, you know what? I'm tired. It's been a hard day. I've been through a tough battle. 
I think tonight I'm just going to stay home and I think tonight I'm just going to rest. The whole time you're saying that, you're putting on your church clothes. You're walking through the house. Next thing you know, you find yourself in the car and you say, well, I, I'm going, but, I, but, but I'll be honest, I'm going, but I, I'm not really, really going to add anything to the service and I've I, just had a tough day. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to, to do anything at all. And so you walk in the building and you sit down and you're just hoping nobody will mess with you. Then when you get there and all of a sudden that choir begins to sing like tonight and all of a sudden somebody gets a song. Hallelujah. I'm feeling a little more comfortable now. And somebody, it takes me a while. Y'all know all each other. I don't even know you. I'm leaving people I don't even know. Amen. Some people look like they, they don't even like me already. I don't even know you yet. Hey, but understand this. I almost wore an orange tie. That would have helped. But understand this. Understand without a shadow of a doubt. While you're sitting there, God begins to bless you. Amen. And the next thing you know, you don't got a different look at God. You wasn't going. But the next thing you know, God the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of you is all of a sudden getting stirred up. And before you know it, while you're getting stirred up, you're thinking, man, I'm glad I came. All of a sudden, the problem don't look that big. All the other things don't look that big. All of a sudden, you realize what a mighty God I serve. You and I serve a big God tonight. He is a mighty God tonight. Amen. Amen. It's a light thing to God. A light thing. Supplying to missions around the world. That's a light thing to God. All He needs is obedience. All He needs us is do what He said. He'll take care of that. He'll meet that need. Listen, tonight I thought about three areas. Three areas tonight that are light things to God. Let me give you these tonight. First of all, and this is not alliterated, normally I do, but I just don't want to lose what I'm trying to say, so I'm just going to give you these. The first thing tonight is problems. Anybody in here have problems? If you got out of bed this morning, you do. If you don't believe you got a problem, look in the mirror. Amen. <laughs> I promise you my biggest problem in my life is every morning that fella I look at in the mirror or if my wife's standing behind me, maybe her, I don't know anyway. But I want you to understand that problems come along. I don't care if you're on the mission field, you're a pastor of a church, you're serving God. It doesn't matter. I want you to know that problems come to all of us. But our problems are a light thing to God. Right? I want you to think about three problems we've dealt with that are a like thing to God. Number one's the sin problem. The sin problem. You say, preacher, 
You don't know where I came from. You don't know how deep I was. You don't realize how hard it is. Can I say this to you tonight? It may be like that. But you know what God did? God sent his son. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And guess what? There ain't never been a sinner that God cannot save. No matter if it's in North Korea or if it's in Haiti or if it's in Uganda or if it's anywhere or if it's in Knoxville, Tennessee. I want you to understand that God can take care of the sin problem. I was preaching a meeting in Denton, North Carolina. And the last night of the meeting, God burdened me that night to preach on hell. And boy, that's a heavy weight. Your pastor can tell you that's a heavy weight to preach. And so I began to preach on hell and God moved in the service. And, and when he's moving in the service, I'm talking about a light thing to God. He's moving in the service and the altars began to fill. And I looked out over the auditorium and I said, is there someone here right now that would admit you're lost and undone without Christ? Is there someone who'd like to give your heart to the Lord? And I'll never forget, several hands went up, but a man back in the right hand corner raised his hand. When he did, I said, sir, wouldn't you like to give your life to Christ? He shook his head emphatically at me, no. Almost belligerent, no. I didn't know till later on that man had said, I'll never bow to anybody including God. He was a well-known alcoholic in that area. The service went on a little while and I was over speaking to someone on the altar and I heard people shouting and screaming and praising God. And we kind of do that in North Carolina sometime. And, and I looked over to the right and that man had got down. He was at the altar. Now watch this. And they were, I'm talking about a sin problem. And someone was leading him to Christ. But that wasn't the best. That, I mean, it was the best part. But listen to this. On the other side of the auditorium was a lady kneeling. She's almost been unconscious to everything going on. She's just over here kneeling and praying. You could almost hear her weeping. While everyone's over here rejoicing and this man getting saved, she's still over there. And then she stood up. And I'm talking about one of them squeals like you ain't never heard that in most Baptist churches would call somebody to have a heart attack. She jumped up and come to find out it was the sister of this man who had been wetting that carpet with tears for 21 years. She did not realize that he had got saved until she looked over and she saw his name was John. And listen to this. Here's how big a deal it was to the world. When he got saved, the sheriff of the county called the pastor. Amen. And here's what he told the pastor. He said, Pastor, I'm glad y'all got that. You know, they don't know what to say, right? I'm glad y'all got that fellow saved over there. 
My deputies will have a whole lot less work to do. And that was true. Joined the church, got baptized. Six months later, found out he had terminal cancer, did not know it. He died, went to heaven. 21 years, his sister prayed for him. You know what God said that night, Pastor? God said that night, his sin is no big deal to me. My son can take care of that. How many of you glad tonight that God can take care of all of our sin? He didn't forgive me a part of my sin or a little bit of my sin, but he forgave me of all my sin. Not only can he take care of the sin problem, that's a like thing to God, but second of all, he take care of the Satan problem. The Satan problem. The young people enjoy this. I have a lot of things to happen when I'm preaching. I go and preach in places and you have a whole lot of theologians come to you after church. They want to share some things. You know, you know what Billy Goat Christianity is? I love my preacher, but I love that church, but you know, ladies, but, but, you know what I'm saying? I had a lady one time, I'm not kidding you, I had a lady come up to me in a service one time that wanted me to pray for a soap opera star that was dying, not in real life, on the program. <laughs> Somebody that does something like that don't even have a toy in their Happy Meal. preaching that night and I was preaching about one day Satan's going to be in hell. Satan's going to be gone. We'll never have to deal with him again. And I made a statement. I said, I hope God lets me spit on him when he throws him into hell. Then I had a theologian come to me after service. I done forgot I made the statement, Pastor. She came to me. She said, Sir, I enjoyed the message. I knew it was coming. She said, but we should pray for everybody. I thought, what is she talking about? Do you know what she's talking about? I was going to spit on the devil and she thought I ought to pray for him. I said, ma'am, do you read your Bible? Do you know he is not human? Do you know he was an angelic being that failed? Do you know he's going to burn in hell one day? And I'm glad. Amen. Well, I said, well, nothing. Have a nice night. <laughs> Amen. And by the way, ma'am, when they throw him in hell, I'm going to spit on him if I can. Amen. Satan's no big deal. The God's a light thing. He's got it. Amen. Amen. Y'all with me? I used to preach about two hours and I'm done. You'll be all right. That's not true. Usually about 35, 40 minutes. Hold on with me. There's a second thing tonight. Not only can God tell us it's a light thing, but also what about our fears tonight? The Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. The very things we fear are no big deal to God. Did you realize that 97 point some, some, some percent of everything you ever worry about in your life will never come to fruition? Any of y'all remember when 2000 came in? All the computers are going to die. Everything's going to quit. I was in a youth meeting in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. 
the night that it struck 12 and 2,000 came in. All them youngins were already a little nervous about it. I had some boys in the back at the light switches. <laughs> and as soon as it hit 2,000, we shut everything off. I don't know how many got saved, but a lot of them got right. Amen. They thought, Lord, this is it, man. I've never seen for the life of me the fear that we have been bombarded with in the last several years. Now, you folks in Tennessee, y'all did a little better than we did. Y'all at least had some people up here that didn't put you quite in the bondage that we got put in in North Carolina. People say, do you pray for your leaders? Yes, let their days be few and another take their offices Bible. (laughs) I know I'm supposed to love everybody. There's some folk I don't like. Fear has crippled us. Right? Right? We still got fast food places in Statesville. You can't go inside. I won't even go anymore if I can't go inside. I may not go inside, but I want the privilege to go inside. Right? And I believe there'll be Bojangles chicken in heaven. <laughs> Along with peanut M&M's. I believe they'll both be in heaven. You say, you ain't got Bible for that. You ain't got Bible that it won't. I believe that. But I want you to understand. Listen, we're living in a world of fear. There are two things that we fear. I'll give you these real quick and then I'll get to this last thing and I'll be done and, and uh, go get a cup of coffee. Watch this. We fear the unknown and we fear not understanding. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. I have a lot of younger preachers and <laughs> call me now because this gray hair, you know. I mean, I still ride motorcycles. I still drive a Corvette. I did a track day the other day in my car with my daughter sitting in the right seat. She's married now, but anytime I can get away from her husband, I love it, and I just get to keep her with me. And, and uh, I raced dirt bikes for 28 years, and so, uh, you know, I've always felt young, but I'll be honest with you, I used to hit the ground and I'd bounce. Now I hit the ground, I just stay there. I was in a mountain bike race not long ago and broke two ribs. Trees don't move. I don't care how fat the preacher is hitting them, they don't move. So I want you to understand when these guys call me, you know, in my mind I'm still thinking I'm kind of young, right? Then they start off, they say, Pastor, the reason I called you is, and they like to use the word seasoned. You know, basically when they say you're seasoned, what they mean, you're old and dirt, man. They'll say, Pastor, because you're seasoned and an older preacher, if you're a young preacher, if God ever calls you to preach, if you ever call me, say that to me, I ain't going to help you. (laughs) I ain't going to do it. (laughs) You say, wait a minute, listen. I want you to understand, most of them call me and they say, Preacher, we don't know what to hear and we're, we're a little afraid of this and we're a little afraid of that. What did you do? And I said, Look, there are times when you're afraid. All you can do is give it to God. Amen. It's a light thing to Him. Our brother was up here tonight. When I hear folks like him, it makes me feel about that big. 
You know what I'm saying? You and I, and I'm not trying to be mean tonight. It's the first night we've met. I want all of y'all to, you know, buy me something. So, hey, listen. <laughs> but tonight, we don't suffer in America. Oh, they're not putting as many Fruit Loops in our box. They are getting smaller. The bag, you get the bag now, they don't put as many in it. I counted them one day. I got ready to go back to food line and said, no, no, no. Listen to me. But as Americans, we, we do pretty well. I haven't looked at anybody in here tonight and looked at them like, boy, if they don't eat something, they ain't going to make it to tomorrow. Right? Of course, some of y'all tonight must have ate like you were pretty hungry because the preacher said everything down there was ate, including the paper plates. I mean, it was a big deal. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say. Don't let fear scare you out of doing what God wants you to do. And I'll explain that in just a moment. I'll be done. Because it's a light thing to God. I don't know tonight what problem you're dealing with or what fear you're battling. And brother, I applaud you. I mean that. And I want to help you. I want to help you. I applaud you. Because I'm telling you what, you and I can walk up to somebody in Knoxville, we can walk up to somebody and hand them a gospel track. There are people around this world that would die if they were caught doing that. Third thing I want to give you tonight, stay with me here just a moment. It's still early in other countries. This is what I want to get to. The third thing is not only is our problems a light thing to God. Preacher, I'm enjoying preaching in your church. Good liberty, sweet people, I can tell it. Is that all you told me to say? Was that it? Okay, great. <laughs> our problems also, our fears are light, but watch this. What about our needs? I want to share with you my experience with missions. I pastored a church for 15 years. I did not grow up fundamental independent Baptist. I grew up in a convention church. Thank God I had an old-fashioned preacher with a sixth grade education that preached the King James Bible and at 17 years old, halfway down an aisle, I gave my life to Christ. Amen. One week later, God called me to preach. They sent me to one of their cemeteries. Only thing good that happened there is I was sitting in the library reading a Sports Illustrated and a girl walked across the parking lot and I said what Adam said, whoa man. <laughs> and it was my wife now of 38 years walking across the parking lot and I went and told her, I said, you're going to be my wife. She said, no, I can help it. I said, you're going to be my wife. I'm telling you. <laughs> right? But I didn't grow up in that. I certainly didn't grow up around missions like you're doing tonight. I did not grow up in faith promise. I did not grow up because we sent money to, you've heard of things called Lottie Moon, different things. People, they, you don't know where it's going. The college, the, the, my church sent money to the college I went to and the freshman mixer of the college I'm sent to be a preacher had across the state line so they could serve alcohol 
to the freshman and sophomore class and it was a Baptist school. That was my introduction to Bible college. I met her. We got out of Virginia. I've often told people the best thing comes out of Virginia is 29 North. Amen. Or South. <laughs> now if you're from Virginia, get over it, but you'll be all right. <laughs> so I got started this church. They had a small congregation, 13 people. I worked in a meal. Had a little 14 by 64 mobile home. You walked on the deck by faith. <laughs> you know, if you went up the steps, if you go in, pastor, it was by faith. So you go by faith and you walk in the 14 by 64 mobile home. No wrong the mobile home, but I'm just talking about that deck was interesting. Many times people would put groceries, uh, different things on our steps as I was trying to go to Bible college and work, I found another school uh, in Winston-Salem then and I was trying to go to Bible college and work a job at night with a young family. Well, this is my wife and I at that time. I stayed at that church 15 years. Three quarters of the congregation of 300 people had got saved in that ministry. And then God said I was done. I lost it. I had no desire to stay there any longer. The Sunday I had to tell that church that God was going to move me was the hardest single day of my entire life when it come to that. I went to help a church with their youth program for about nine months. Then God, thank God, delivered me. You'll get that on the way home. <laughs> but after nine months, I went into evangelism. For two years, I traveled across the country. I was loving it, enjoying it. I could go preach to people, then leave. <laughs> Nobody would call and say, Pastor, you didn't shake my hand. Because I was gone. I was preaching in Statesville, North Carolina. The pastor of the church is Dr. Scott Caldwell. Some of you may have heard him. As far as I'm concerned, he's one of the greatest, was, was one of the greatest pastors, and I think one of the best preachers you'll ever hear on missions. He is now the executive, he's now the, the um, president and general director of Macedonia World Baptist Missions. The last night I'm preaching revival in his church, his church was supporting about 130, 138 missionaries at 130,000, 140,000 a year faith promise. I'd never been involved in a mission program like that. He called me back to his office. I'm talking about tonight a light thing to God. He called me back to his office. And he said, Brother Chris, would you be interested in pastoring again? I never even thought about it. I looked at him and said, no. True story, no. He said, you sure? I said, no. I said, I, I, I love what I'm doing. Pastored 15 years, been there, done that. I'm gonna keep preaching. So I went back on the road. You got to understand, he's working, he's, he's finishing up before he's leaving. What do you call that when you, you stay until you're done? You know, like the, you give him a date? Yeah, well, something I don't know. I'm short timer. <laughs> I tell your generation, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, they had this little deacon. He's about this tall. 
bald-headed, kind of old. You know what he did? He went up into a mountain. I live near the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. He went up in a mountain for two days and he fasted and prayed that God would break me to come pastor that church. I didn't know he was doing it. If I knew he was doing it, I'd have went up there and got him. I was in Lexington, North Carolina in a prophet's room at five in the morning. And it's like the Holy Ghost walked in that room and I was telling you, Pastor, and said, tell those people you'll pray about coming there. I said, God, have you seen their mission program? God, I don't understand those missions like that. I don't know what to do with that stuff. I've never been around it. My first church just gave a percentage of what we had. I didn't understand it. Long story short, 20 years ago, two Sundays ago, God sent me to Calvary Baptist Church. Since that time of 20 years, we've been able to give several million dollars. Right now, we're supporting just under 200 missionaries at $200,000 a year. Faith promise missions. And I'm still not sure I know much about it. But I do know this. I know that God will meet the need. And God will take care of you because it's a light thing to Him. And listen, don't even look at me tonight and say, oh, that pastor must be something with missions. I've been around your preacher already and I feel convicted. I love his heart for the world. I love being around Peter. He talks to me on the phone. And we don't even know each other well. But he talks to me on the phone and I can hear his love for people that need Christ. Because that's what it's all about. Needs. The Bible tells us in, what is it, chapter 4 of the book of Philippians, one of my favorite books in all of the Word of God. I'm preaching through it right now in my church. But my God should supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But people pull that so far out of context. Paul said God was going to take care of the church in Philippi because they had took care of him. He was a missionary preacher. He was a church planter. God said, you took care of Paul. I'm going to take care of you. I've got businesses, corporations in my church. We don't have, not a big church. I guess probably before the pandemic, maybe 400 people. Since the pandemic, 300. I'm trying to catch 50. But anyway, some of them are on milk cartons in North Carolina. But anyway... I want you to understand this. When I think about the enormity of all of that, and I see those people in our church, and some of them learn what it was given. We don't, and we all know this. We don't give to get. You give to get, you got the wrong idea. About this television evangelism mess, give to get, that's, that's garbage. We give because we love Jesus and we want to get the gospel around the world. But I will tell you this, God will bless you if you give. I've got businesses in our church that were built. One of them was a million dollar business built on people getting serious about faith promise missions. 
say, preacher, is that a good thing? Yeah, because you got a business like that and they were giving when they were just getting started. Then they become a million dollar business and they still giving the missions. Hallelujah. Amen. Our needs are a like thing to God. Pastor, I don't know what you've been praying for. I don't know what you've been asking God for through this conference. But I know this. Sometimes it looks like a pretty big deal to us. But it's not a big deal to God. The Bible says it's but a light thing. He said, but you got to dig in ditches. Let me say this to you tonight. I don't believe God ever does anything if people aren't obedient. God's going to use this man. God's going to use these men here. And I heard Haiti, and I'm trying to remember the others. Kenya, Kenya. If God's going to use them, there had to come a time in their life when they were just obedient. They just said, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. When I met that little 14-year-old girl in that high school meeting, I told God if he'd let me, I'd go across this country and preach to teenagers that there's more hope than saying, I have no reason to live. The first call I got was California. If I'm mistaken, I'm in North Carolina. I preached in California. I think God said, okay, I'll send you across the country to preach some kids. You see, there's a need, but God can meet it. You know what I found out? God even has me one more wants. Everybody had a want met. Look, some of y'all bad was going, well, I don't want to say that I have any wants because I'm spiritual and I... Oh, get over that, man. We all got wants. Some of you boys are hunting. You know you like to have that other gun. Right? When the men in my church drove an automobile in one Sunday, that was nice. Pretty expensive. Fellow walked by him. You know how Baptists are. We always rejoice over other people's blessings. <laughs> Y'all getting to know me a little bit yet? I like Tennessee. I got real good friends in Tennessee. I pulled for you the other night. I did. I mean, I'm not gung ho about Tennessee football because I don't live here. But tonight, it's the greatest thing ever. Because I want to be able to get in my car and leave. <laughs> I'm not about to say go dogs or nothing like that up here. Because I don't care about team either. North Carolina, we have such a bad team, it doesn't even matter. Except basketball. Hallelujah. But don't you listen. What was I talking about? Do any of y'all remember? Huh? Your wants. Thank you. Y'all stay with me. You should have known that exactly. Isn't it amazing? This man drove that car. I love this. I love this statement. Are y'all ready? Brother, you, Pastor, you ready? A man walked by him and said, now watch. He said, well, I could drive something like that if I didn't tithe. And a man in my church without missing a beat said, I drive something like that because I do. Don't you love when you slam somebody like that? There's bad bits. I just love to see them walk away going. (laughs) 
I don't know much about your church except I can tell by being here. You got a real heart to get people around the world saved by God's grace. It doesn't matter the color of skin, white, black, red. It doesn't matter. We know in America we're not the greatest friends of North Korea's leadership and people, but the people of North Korea need Jesus. They need God. Even people in the northern part of the United States need God. My daughter married a Yankee. My daughter's a golf pro. She met him on a golf team and married a Yankee. I'm as southern as it gets. Grits, biscuits, fried chicken, lemonade. She married a Yankee. But in college, before she ever started dating, because she wouldn't because he's lost, she won him to Christ. They weren't dating then because she knew better. I got to baptize him. I held him under for 11 minutes. <laughs> to this day, he has brain damage. <laughs> People need God. I can tell that by here tonight. Preacher, one of the tough things that pastors have on mission conferences today, and you know this, is getting people to come to them. Because people just, they don't see the need burden for some reason. But I look around here tonight at Valley View Baptist Church on a Wednesday, and I can see why God's blessing you. Because you got a heart for the gospel. Now, I want to ask you a big thing tonight. Can, you want me to do an invitation, preacher? You want to do won't you stand to your feet tonight and give me a piano player? Guys, thank you for making me feel welcome tonight and laughing a little bit at some dumb things. I have to say things like that because I get nervous and I got to say something. There's some people you look at in a Baptist church and they're scary looking, man. So I like to do that. Don't everybody look at me just a moment tonight. I tell people this every meeting I preach. I was up in the mountains of North Carolina. We had a meeting in a couple weeks there. and I preached one night on there's somebody in this building that needs to get to God. I said, there's a lot of people came in this building. Now, you remember the woman that had issue of blood? A lot of people were throwing in the Lord, bumping up against Him. But she touched Him and it was a touch that stopped Jesus. And I said, there's somebody in this building tonight you didn't come like every other time you've come to church. But you come in here tonight and your heart's broke. Somebody you know is not saved. Something on your heart tonight. And you just need to get to Jesus. God's burdened some of you about what to give to missions. God's burdened some of you about some needs and some things in your life tonight. Maybe you walked in this place tonight and God's burdened you about a Something that's got fear in your heart. Maybe you come in this auditorium tonight and God's burdened you about some need. And boy, when you look at it, it looks like a mountain that just cannot be moved. Sometimes God moves a mountain. Sometimes God lets you go over the mountain. But I wonder who came to this auditorium tonight and you got one of them big prayers. And tonight you know 
that it might be a big deal to you. But you walked in with something tonight, if you just give it to God, just let Him have it. Just give it to Him. It can be a light thing to Him.